You're listening to How To 20-Something, the only podcast that helps both men and women navigate their 20s and learn how to adult across all aspects of their lives. We're going to be focusing on career, relationships, finances, fitness, nutrition, and all of the common challenges and obstacles a typical 20-something will face in this post-college life and what to do about it. I'm your host, Just Diamond, and I'm the CEO and founder of Just Diamond Coaching, where I help young professionals get their shit together, gain their confidence, and own their life. No one prepares you for this adulting world, so allow me to help you feel like you are no longer a chicken running around with its head cut off, and that you actually know what the hell is going on and what your next step to take is. Welcome to How To 20-Something. Welcome back to How To 20-Something with another guest episode where today we'll be discussing the different ways you can get your mind right in regards to your career. And yes, I'm here to remind you over and over again that if you want to be a guest on here, whether it's because you have insight for other young professionals, you have a not-so-common timeline through adulthood, or have expertise in a certain aspect of life, then please head to the show notes and fill out the guest form, the be a guest form. My guest today is actually one of my clients, and we have been working together for quite some time, so I have helped her come to and witnessed multiple career revelations, but the biggest one came about recently where she was able to find a piece of her purpose and enjoyment in her 9-to-5 job. Without giving any spoilers, as I want her to explain how she gets her mind right and how you can begin applying it to your life, she was able to figure out how the work she does relates to what she's always enjoyed doing. And now, I would like to officially introduce her to you, so without further ado, today's guest is Nicole Goldstein. Nicole is a 26-year-old recent boomerang back to her hometown of Fort Lauderdale after living in Boston for eight years, where she attended Northeastern University, started her career, and met her wonderful fiancé, Phil, who I can vouch for is wonderful. Her day job is in public relations, working with clients across many different industries, including luxury real estate, banking and finance, and technology. She is also a skilled baker. Her signatures are challah bread and sprinkle cookies, and she is an incredible salsa dancer. Nicole loves spending quality time with her loved ones, especially her family's dog, Penny. Hi, Nicole. Welcome to How To 20-something. Hi, Jess. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, so happy you're here. I was so excited to see you fill out the guest form and to just read what topics that you want to discuss to help out my listeners. And we, you and I both collaborated and decided all in regards to getting your mind right, whether that means for mental health, mental strength, or mental clarity purposes, and how you approach all of that in regards to your current career. So We're just going to dive right in and start with general mental health and boundaries that you've created within your career in life. So what are some practices that you've established in regards to setting boundaries with yourself and your job? Yeah, absolutely. So some of the, probably the best thing you can do is create a precedent for how you want to behave and how for how you want to be treated in your job. So, I mean, this has obviously evolved over time. You've, you've seen me in all my recent ex- really accelerated struggles in my career, especially when you're at the start of your career, you really have the attitude of being an overachiever and a people pleaser where you don't know what you're doing 
and you really want everyone to like you. You don't want to get fired after 90 days. Um, so you're kind of doing the most. And not that this is a bad thing. Like if this is, if you're doing something that you're really passionate about and really want to learn about, doing the most is a good thing, but that can kind of trap you into doing more work than you can handle or that you really even want to do. And that's not to say that you shouldn't reach out and try to help people and take things off of your manager's plates because they always love that. But it's it's really helpful to come into a job right off the bat knowing, I mean, you're never going to know in a new job how much you can handle until you get a real lay of the land of what your job really entails. But it's definitely helpful to be that person who says no in a professional way, which looks something like saying, I don't have the bandwidth for that this week when somebody asks you to do something, but I can get to it next week. Or I might need some help with this. Can we pull in this other person from the team to take up to tag team with me? It's all about like learning what those professional buzzwords are and how to say no so that you still look like a team player, but you're not overworking yourself. To, to sum it up, basically, when you're, when you're just starting out in your career and you're just coming into a new job, it's natural to want to be an overachiever and a people pleaser because, you know, you've just come into this field or you've just come into this organization and you want everybody to think really highly of you. But this might lead you into a trap of overworking yourself and that can get in the way of your mental health and your happiness. And we don't want that. So it's important to learn professional ways to communicate your boundaries and your bandwidth. If somebody asks you for something and you know that you have 10 million other things to do for other people, then it's okay. I'm giving you permission. It's okay to say, I cannot get to this today or I can't get to, get to this next week, but I can do this by this day next week. So, you know, not saying a flat out no, but saying I can't do it right now. One thing a mentor also told me was to uh, make your managers fight over you. And it's one of the best tips I've ever gotten that if a manager from one area of your job asks you for something, but you're doing a lot of work for another manager, communicate to that other manager and they will go over you and talk to this other person and say, Nicole can't do that right now because Nicole is doing all of this other stuff for me. How can we like collaborate to uh, figure this out in a different way so that Nicole isn't being overworked? If you're in a really good organization, then your managers are not going to want you to be overworked. Um, so it's just about communicating in a professional way where you need help and what your limits are. I agree. I like throwing it back to when I had my corporate job, my supervisor she was a I just worked under her like I was her assistant with the interior design stuff and then it was actually her sister was another senior designer 
And if she needed help, she would ask me to take on load, but they would also be communicating with each other. And it's really helpful to have that level of communication. And I also like the fact that it's not saying no, just coming out with a blunt, no, I will not help you. It's like, I have a lot on my plate. When I finish this, like, I will come contact you and see if I can help you. Like, of course, getting the right approval, knowing that like your direct manager is okay with it. That was something my workplace was really good at within not wanting me to be the one overworked. They were fine overworking themselves, but they're just like, don't burn her out. She's new. She's fresh. <laughs> She's, it's okay. And especially when you're first starting out, you have so many things that you don't know what you can handle and you don't know how long certain things are going to take. And all of that is part of a learning experience. I would personally have a running list of things that I needed to do and then when those were done I would go seeking more work or as I knew I was checking things off the list of oh hey I'm ready for anything else that you want to give me what do you got and just make sure that I had those clear directions as well because I think that's a big part of it of knowing exactly what they're asking of you so you know exactly how you can organize it into your schedule and time it properly what were some struggles or obstacles that came up as you began to implement these types of boundaries? And it could be like mental talk of anything that you feel like you had a frog in your throat and couldn't speak up for yourself or actual struggles that came between you and your supervisor or your manager. Yeah, I mean, I have always had a really hard time speaking up when I don't know how to do something or need help with something, especially when you're new and you don't know anyone around you really well, when you don't have a rapport, it's really hard feeling like the idiot on the team who, you know, doesn't get it and doesn't know what's going on. But at the end of the day, you're not going to know what's going on unless you ask, I've had a lot of managers tell me different versions of it doesn't matter how you look. It matters that the work gets done. And people actually really like it when you ask them questions. People love being mentors. And now that I'm like a couple years into my career, when people ask me things, I love being their mentor too. If you're in a really good organization, people are always going to want to help you. So it's really just a matter of just getting over that really irrational fear of looking stupid because everybody in the room has been where you are. Everybody has been the new person coming right out of college and not knowing what's going on. And they had to learn the same way by speaking up and looking stupid for five minutes and just learning how it goes, because that is the only way that you learn. You know, we spend so much time in college preparing for this, but nothing that we learn in, you know, we learn how to write, we learn how to, you know, do different things in college, but like, you don't actually know how to do a job until you are in the room on the ground doing the job. People always say that experience is the best teacher and they're right. In my opinion, it's the only teacher. (laughs) Oh, 100%. You learn by doing. That's the only way to do it. And I just want to emphasize, like, you're on a team. 
Yeah. You're not, you're, I mean, I'm self-employed, but even I have my own community, my team, like my coach supports me and like all of the other women in our mastermind. And the like, people want, as you said, people want to help you. And I, as part of what you're saying, everyone who's listening right now, by this point, I mean, we're only 12 episodes in, but by this point, I relate everything back to fitness. And that's exactly what I tell my personal training clients of everyone was once in your spot. Everyone was once the new kid on the block. And you just learn, you figure it out as you go along. And people, because they've all been in your place before, they're willing to give you a helping hand. No one wants to just point at you and laugh and watch you struggle. It's like, no, they want to, if anything, save you from your own embarrassment that maybe they had to go through themselves. So that way you can avoid some of the mishaps that they like learned along the way. Yeah. And I mean, I've, I've said, I've said the phrase, if you're in a good organization, because there are, you know, there are times that you won't be in the best organization and a big red flag for when you're feeling out your first job, if it's a good fit, if you like it, if you want to stay for a while, one of those red flags is if people are not talking to you and not giving you feedback, whether it's good or bad. I was in a situation like that where I wasn't getting any feedback. And then all of a sudden I was pulled into HR and they told me, Nicole, we've been hearing from some of your managers that you're not really producing the best work and they haven't really been happy with your performance. And we're going to put you on a uh, performance improvement plan or PIP for short. And, you know, we'll see if things improve. And I want to clarify that PIPs are not bad things. Sometimes they are just used to start a documentation process to fire someone. But again, if you're in a good organization, they're kind of like that first point of contact where upper management reaches out to this person who might be struggling to try and fix the situation. I was lucky to be in that kind of supportive kind of environment where they told me, we're getting this feedback that you're not doing well, but let's come up with a plan to try and turn things around because we don't want to fire you. But even so, I still felt completely blindsided because I thought it was so unfair that these managers weren't telling me directly that what I was producing wasn't what they were looking for. If you t- if I give you something and it's not right, give it back to me and I will do it until it's right. Maybe that takes more time, but if you want to develop your people, you have to invest time into them. So that was just a situation where I felt like my managers weren't being totally fair towards me. And I was really grateful for the support I got from HR, but ultimately it wasn't enough to keep me there. I didn't feel like there was enough support and training from the rest of the team for me to really envision a future there. I think the big lesson here is if you're not getting feedback, you need to ask for feedback. And it's not the same, it's not the equivalent at all to no news is good news. Like no feedback is not good feedback. You need to ask for the good and bad, like swallow your pride, go in with your head held eye and be ready to take notes on things, areas you can improve or to just receive a pat on the back so you know you are doing it right, whichever case it may be. I mean, hopefully 
it's that you're doing it right so that they don't end up in the position you felt where they were so blindsided. But you're regularly checking in of, am I doing this right? Was this up to your standards? How can I improve? And it's also going to show that you care about the job. Whether you actually care or not is indifferent, but it's showing that you're willing to show up and put in the work and try hard to exceed. And like your managers will see that over time. What would you say are some of the ways setting these types of boundaries of speaking up, of saying no to extra work, of asking for feedback? Has it benefited you, your quality of life, and your overall mental health? Yeah, it it takes the guessing game out of it. What you said sums it up perfectly that if you're not hearing anything, it's not the equivalent of no news is good news because Sometimes your managers, honestly, it's not that they're ignoring you. It's not that they don't like you. It's just that they are really, really busy and getting the most junior person on their staff feedback on, you know, one small assignment that they did. It's not top of their mind, which is fine. It's nothing personal, but that does bring it back on you to be proactive and ask for the feedback. I've never encountered a situation where when I actually reached out and asked for feedback, I've never been rejected from that. It's more so I get like a response of, oh, thank you for reminding me I need to get you some feedback on this. I've been working on something else and I've been meaning to get this to you, but I just haven't had the time. And then they'll say something along the lines of thank you for being proactive Being proactive is really the name of the game when you're trying to learn because, again, people are just really, really busy and it's just not top of mind, but it's not personal. Not giving you feedback doesn't mean they don't like you. It just means that they're busy and they'll get back to you when they have a minute. But being proactive about asking for feedback really just takes the guesswork out of it. You know, maybe you're sitting there spiraling thinking, I haven't heard from my manager in three weeks. Do they not like me? Am I doing everything wrong? Or am I doing really well? And if you are doing things wrong and you're not hearing about it, you need to know. So you're not just sitting there spiraling thinking, oh my God, I'm the worst. I'm doing everything wrong. When somebody tells you, hey, you didn't do this exactly right. Here's how you need to do it next time. That's, you know, completely unambiguous. You know exactly where you stand with them. And even when it is something positive, like, hey, you did really well on this assignment, that way you know. It's so important just to know where you stand so you don't get pulled into HR one day and be blindsided. So you would say that setting these boundaries has benefited you in the way that it takes the guessing game part out of it it gives you this clear picture so your because your brain is going to naturally want to fill in the gaps so it's taking that part out it's for by you being able to speak up and we'll say like this boundaries in terms of feedback is like you're able to get the answers to the questions that you have just circling in your mind is that would you agree yes that's definitely true and it's a big stress reliever Because when you're sitting there spiraling, just wondering what's going on, your brain's going a mile a minute and your stress levels are going up. And if they don't need to be, 
then let's get rid of that anxiety. And not that anyone's stress levels ever need to be that high, but they sometimes need to be redirected, right? That like, if you know that you're not doing well on a specific category of work, then you need to know so that you can expend some more effort into improving in that area and not worrying about how you're doing. Worrying is just so unproductive and it just raises your stress levels and is just no good for anyone. So better we know whether it's good or bad. Yeah. So that we can take action, which is like your whole business. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, And I'm so glad you brought up stress and anxious because that's something I wanted to talk to you about is because I know I've helped you come up with multiple different ways of calming your system down when you are feeling stressed out or anxious at work. But can you share what you have found to be the most helpful techniques or practices that you implement for when you're feeling worked up? Like, are there certain practices you feel comfortable doing when you're in the office? And then are there any additional ones that you do when you're at home? Because you're a hybrid. And I know a lot of people are hybrid still right now. So let you have the floor of talking about how you calm your system down. Yeah. So number one, whether you're in the office or at home, is to step away from whatever you're doing. Um, You know, go to the bathroom, go grab a drink of water, go for a walk around the block. Just get whatever you're stressing out about out of your face so that you can, you know, take a step back, collect yourself, and then be able to approach it from a more bird's eye view rational way. Because when you're sitting there in the spiral, you, you just have to snap yourself out of it because if not, you're just going to continue to spiral and you're just going to continue to freak yourself out and you'll probably have a panic attack. <laughs> and nobody likes having a panic attack in the office. And, you know, from there, it really just depends like what your situation allows. If I'm at home, maybe I'll put my legs up the wall for a few minutes because, you know, my coworkers aren't next to me. If you have a dog next to you, pet your dog. Eat some ice cream if you have it in the fridge. Just do something that's just only comforting. The the only mission is comfort and bringing yourself back to yourself. If you're in the office, you know, it's it's a little trickier because, you know, you don't want to be that weirdo putting their legs up the wall in the break room. And you also don't know how clean that floor is. So gross. But, you know, you can always go for a walk. You can always go get a snack. You can, I don't know, go sit in your car if you have one and freak out there. (laughs) But yeah, the most important, the most important thing is to change your scenery, change your situation, change something about what is in front of your face as kind of like a shock to your system. So that if you're mid spiral, if you're mid like panic attack, it just kind of shocks your nervous system for you to be able to get back in control of your emotions. Yeah. And I know we've talked about a couple of different breathing techniques that you can do because like breath work is it's just so, so important for I do it regularly for calming my system. I feel like as we're talking right now, like this last week, my nervous system has been shot for a lot of different variables in my life. And I'll just take right to the breath work. Focus on my breath. It allows your brain to shut off because you're just focusing on your breath in that present moment. I know we've talked about 
there's a lot of different types of breath works. There's, we've done five, five, seven breaths together where you would inhale for five seconds, hold for five seconds, and exhale for seven. And if you do that about 10 times, it just allows your system to regulate itself and it gives you a chance to calm your heart rate too. I think that's like one of the first things that happens. Your heart rate just starts racing and it's how you know you're on the verge of some kind of spiral and you want to get ahead of it. There is a... So love legs up the wall, love petting your dog. Those are two things to do at home for sure, unless like your work allows you to bring your dog to work. And then uh, breath work, changing the scenery has to be the most important. Get out away from the screen. Even if that means you're closing your eyes and putting in your favorite song, do something where you're not staring at the work that is stressing you out so you have some time to detach from it calm yourself down whether that's going for a walk going to the bathroom getting some water eating a snack doing breath work and then get back to it have questions ready to ask someone so that way you don't feel so stressed out and overwhelmed by the work that's on your plate and ask for help too that's got to be like one of the biggest things that we've helped you to come to it's okay to ask for help and I know we've already talked about this in this podcast episode but just in terms of you feeling overwhelmed. It's like seek out the help that you need. Don't be afraid of it. Yeah, and you can even reach out to people who might not be directly involved in whatever you're working on, but especially like I've worked on a few different small teams where even if you're not working directly with someone, like you're generally interacting with these different people and just, you know, I had uh, a job where um, my favorite person in the office was kind of directly across the hall where I could like lean back in my chair and see her typing away at her computer in her office. And just like the sight of her would calm me down a little bit because she just had that effect on people. But if you have a trusted mentor in your organization reach out to them, especially if you don't want to look some type of way in front of your actual manager that you're working with on a project. It's okay to reach out to to other people on the team. Because like I said, everybody loves being a mentor. Well, I mean, as long as they check in with them and make sure they have the mental and emotional and work bandwidth to like help you in that moment. But If they're available to you, then talking to that person that you're comfortable being vulnerable with is really helpful because you don't have to just say, I don't know how to do this exact step of this project. You can say, hey, I'm freaking out right now. I'm going to go have a panic attack. But when I get back, can we like talk through how to do this thing that I know you're not working with me on it, but you've done a million things like this before. So you probably have some wisdom for me. Finding people in the workplace that you can be really real with is so important because, you know, we're not work robots who just are typing away day in and day out. We are real people who have emotions and it's important that we find people that we feel comfortable expressing them with. Yeah, you need your support system within the workplace. It's like you're... Manager is going to tell you what to do. It's good to develop a relationship with your manager, of course, but you need those other coworkers that honestly make showing up to work a little bit more fun. Like I, 
no, I had, there's three of us, uh, well, there's four of us, myself included, and we would go on walks together at my job, and two of them sat in, like, the back room with me, and another one sat in another building, so my little break would be just, like, walking over to the other building and bothering her at her desk, and we would just dish out everything that was bothering us, whether it was work-related or personal-related, and it's honestly just really nice to have that form of an escape too and someone who you trust and you can talk to and that of course takes time and you just have to start talking to people like asking questions start with the small talk questions asking them how their weekend was and then following up with them so it's how you develop any other relationship you just have to keep talking to them not all about work-related things but about tell stories from your own weekend too tell them show your personality a little bit because they're only going to see what they see behind a desk. And sometimes that's probably the most boring version of you. Yeah, that's definitely true. Although I I tend to be really word vomity and I'm kind of I tend to be the oversharer of the office. Maybe this has something to do with how much I work from home that when I do get to the office, I'm just so excited to see other people that I just want to tell them everything and probably tell them way too much. But my current office, I am in a kind of bullpen situation where at any given time, there can be three or four other people sitting directly around me. And I like these people and I want to talk to these people. And sometimes we get a little carried away just chatting about the weekend or um, trips we have coming up or I'm getting married. So I want to talk about any plans we have coming up. And, you know, sometimes we spend a little too much time doing that, but it's really nice and it's really worthwhile to build those relationships because it makes work more than just work. It makes it enjoyable. Like you said, it's what makes you want to come into the office. And it's just a really nice uh, vibe. Yeah, not to totally change topics, but I do want to ask, I know it's going to vary depending on whether you're going into office or staying at home, but what have been the most impactful additions to your day-to-day routine and that have like improved your relationship in your job and the reason I ask that is because I mean pillar two in my program my signature system is structure and I do think you need some humans in general need some kind of structure in their day at all times in order to just not fall off the bandwagon so what have you made sure to include in your day either before work or after work or even in the middle of the work day to improve your relationship and the quality of work that you are providing? Yeah, so probably the most important things that I've implemented are, you know, a couple things that I um, learned directly from you, Jess, which I had a version of before, but definitely up-leveled in our work together, which were my morning and evening routines. Just making sure that at the end of the day, I'm preparing everything that I need for the next day. And in the morning, waking up at the same time and doing the same things just kind of gets your brain into the space that it needs to be in of like, whether that's focus or productivity or just in a good mood and just ready to face the challenges of the day. 
So I have started waking up two hours earlier than I need to for work, which this is different because I used to be the kind of person who would wake up like 20 minutes before my first meeting, roll out of bed and wash my face and then just kind of just kind of like get into work and which is a terrible way to start your morning like every time and now that I don't do that anymore I realize how terrible that was because being able to wake up slowly and do things that are not work before starting your work day is so good for my mental health like I wake up I am able to, you know, do my full bathroom routine, wash my face, put all of my skincare products on, and then I'll do some form of movement or exercise. I love doing yoga for my mental health, makes my body feel really good, helps with my posture when I'm sitting at my desk every day, or I'll do some kind of Pilates or strength so that I can feel like I'm nourishing my body. And it's just, it's really helpful to feel like I'm nourishing myself and treating myself well is going to help me show up for work and show up for other people, show up for my clients the way that I need to. Yeah, you're filling up your own cup because you know throughout the day it's going to be taken by some other people, like sip by sip. Exactly, yeah. Uh, So, you know, waking up, doing my bathroom routine, getting some movement in, having an actual breakfast. Um, Food has also been really important because I'm sure this is a lot of people, but like I can't focus when I'm hangry. I'm sure most people can't. I know you and I have talked about this specifically that we get real hangry, but it's just it's just a really big thing for me. So I make sure to have a good breakfast. I also make sure to have a a full nourishing lunch in the middle of the day because, you know, work days are kind of long and you need to replenish the the energy stores so that you can make it through the rest of the day. Like we're busy people. We have a lot to do and we have to make sure that we are fueling ourselves properly to be able to get it all done. Yeah. And what do you do after work? Yeah. After work is a variety of different things. I'll either, I mean, it's a little hot to go for walks right now in Florida, but I definitely have like a set time, maybe not a set time, but when I've decided that I'm done working for the day, I'm done working for the day and I'll go do something else away from my desk. Um, Whether that's, you know, do some more stretching and yoga or Um, go to a dance class or reconnect with my fiance if he's also been working from home. Just doing something to get your brain out of work mode is really important as well. And then we also make sure to have a nourishing dinner as part of our evening routine to set us up for the next day. If you hadn't noticed, food is really important to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And thing one thing that I don't know if you do this, but I have I do know this is psychologically a really healthy thing is to change your clothes. 
even if, honestly, especially if, not even even if, especially if you're working from home, don't go from the clothes you've been sitting in all day to the next activity you're going to do. Change your clothes because then that's going to change the headspace you're in as well. Yeah, I, I hadn't heard that one before, but that's a really good tip. As the person who does the bulk of the laundry in my house, I don't know how I feel about that. Well, it's not saying the clothes you're wearing are dirty. They go on the, <laughs> the separate, the, the chair. You know, everyone has a chair or a corner of the clothes that aren't dirty but aren't clean. So they can't go in the drawers, but they're not going in the laundry yet. So they just that is, chill. That is, that is totally fair. But something that has actually helped me be able to transition from, you know, either doing some movement into work or work into doing some kind of movement is wearing clothes that work for both. Because I am a person who tends to have that mental block of like, oh, I have to change my clothes if I want to go to the gym right now. And maybe I'll just, you know, not do that. Or maybe I'll do it later. Maybe I'll do it tomorrow and then never end up doing it. So if I'm already in uh, clothes that I can go to the gym in, that's definitely helpful. (laughs) But I get where you're coming from. Yeah, I think another thing to add to that as well with everything you just said is do not go from one screen to another. You are ruining yourself. You're ruining your mental health. You're ruining your physical health. Like, Get up and go do something. Even if that something is cooking a meal or laying on your bed, just don't go from your computer screen to your TV screen or your phone screen. Get Take a break from the screens. You're just staring at it for eight to nine hours. It's time to take at least an hour break from looking at the blue light that is emitted from you. And it's going to help you feel a lot less brain foggy by the end of the day. It's going to give you a little bit more energy to carry on and do an additional activity after you clock out for the day and just make you feel happier. And I think it's a something that a lot of people just don't consider. And I even, as you were talking about your morning routine, how you used to be a wake up 20 minutes before your meeting kind of person, I see TikToks all the time where they'll be like, my five to nine before my nine to five. And they make a joke out of it. And I know it's a joke. But they'll be like, sleep from 5 a.m. to 8.59, get up and go to the computer and start work from nine to five. But I, that's essentially what you used to do. It was not one minute, it was 20 minutes, but it's that same thing. It's not healthy. There's so much time you can do. Like there's so much time you have before your work day that you just have to put certain parameters in place that you do show up for yourself so that you do have a nice morning start again away from screens and then begin your work day with a clear mind. Like that is the way to get your mind right for a successful work day, for a productive work day. Yeah, I definitely agree about the screens. I know that it's it's kind of hard to get away from that because a lot of like there are apps for everything. So like a lot of our hobbies have kind of been taken over by screens. Something I really like to do to get my brain out of work mode or or just to kind of jumpstart it a little bit, I really like to read. And it's becomes so easy to download an app on my phone and get library books for free on my phone, but I don't like doing that. I prefer to 
get out of my house and go to the library. And if I can't make it to the library, we have a lot of little free libraries around my neighborhood, which I really love. If you don't know what they are, they're just these little, they look like big birdhouses and they- I know what you're talking about. Yeah, they- And there's just random books that people from around the neighborhood have decided to donate and put in there. And you find the most random stuff in there. And I think like some of my favorite books have come from these. So like they're they're a great addition to any neighborhood. But yeah, I really can't get behind reading off of a screen. I need a physical book in front of me. I need like the beige book paper that, you know, has no blue light behind it to be able to really like disconnect my brain a little, which I know sounds counterintuitive, but that that's what helps me. And, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes it's, it is helpful to like, I don't know, watch a stupid show on your phone because it's like something you've seen before and shuts your brain off in a different way. I think it's creating the space between working and shutting your brain off with a show like there's yeah fill it with some 30 minute or even 20 minute activity that doesn't involve a screen so then you're good like you're doing something for yourself for sure and it would it's even helpful to find like community workout classes community yoga classes because I know I'm guilty of this, but I love just like working out in the privacy of my own apartment. But that usually involves me going on YouTube and finding a workout video to follow, which I'm still looking at the screen. And I mean, it's still really, really important to find ways to to break up your screen time. Yeah. Okay, so now as like a little bit of a brag to me, how <laughs> how has working <laughs> with me as your coach changed your approach to life? I've seen you go from needing help with a lot of reframes and ways of taking care of yourself to literally watching you coach yourself through an obstacle, but can you share a bit of your own experience of what it's been like working with me? Oh, yeah. You and I have been working together for, I don't know, it feels like forever at this point. Um, But I know that I met you at a pretty vulnerable time in my life. I always remember that first breakthrough call that we had. And, you know, I don't remember exactly what was said, but I remember, you know, either being at the point of tears or actually crying through most of it because I was really struggling and your your approach is so tailored to an individual's needs that i don't know you just kind of knew exactly what i needed to hear at each moment and you brought a lot of things out of me that i didn't even know were still there and i think also because we continued to work together even after you know, all of the the pre-planned programs you had. What I'm trying to get at is that um, I think what helped a lot was kind of like learning through repetition. So even though we kind of went through the structured programs you had, and then we went into what you called maintenance mode, but I was definitely nowhere near maintenance at that time. (laughs) (laughs) 
you you started there and then it just <laughs> something t- took a turn. Right, then my life blew up. So we needed to meet more often. But um, yeah, it's just kind of that learning through repetition of like, honestly, I would come to you with a problem and you'd be like, Nicole, we've already dealt with something like that. Remember when we talked through it and this is what we came to and these are the actions that you took? This is really similar and you can take similar actions to it. And I know that I said this to you after the first program we did where the the biggest result I had from working with you was the shift in my mindset. And that holds true to this day. Working with you has just taught me a lot of mental and emotional skills where, you know, I can look at the problems in my life and you know, analyze them and take them apart and just look at it from a productive way and figure out what the next steps are. What you've taught me is how to put in place at least like a loose structure in my life of the things that I need to keep my mental and emotional health at a baseline level so that when a challenge does come my way, I am aware that it's kind of out of the baseline normal and I know what I need to come back to my baseline. Yeah, I've I've mentioned it in other episodes of like you need you come back to home base. And it's like you create you need to create this foundation that it's a place you can always come back to and reset yourself. Yeah. And (laughs) it's honestly really simple. Like I feel like people are always looking for kind of quick fixes for any problems in their life. But if you don't have some kind of foundation that is going to keep you emotionally, mentally, physically healthy, then you're just going to keep having crisis after crisis. But yeah, I I can say that like, we've done a lot of work together to bring awareness to the things that I need that keep me at kind of like a baseline normal. And it's a really, and it's become a really strong foundation for me and my health. And it just, it's just helpful when facing challenges that, especially because when a challenge or when a challenge comes up, I know where I need to go back to. It's like what you said, what you say about that home base, that, that, Home base is really everything because if you don't have a home base, then you're just kind of floating around and, you know, you don't really know what's going on and, you know, you're, you're doing a bunch of stuff that maybe isn't working for you and you just, you don't, I don't know, you don't know what's going on. So when a challenge does come up, not only do you know that this is something out of the norm and it's affecting you in a certain way, but you know where you need to get back to and Something you and I worked on like a long time ago was a nourishment menu. And it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a list of things that bring me back to my home base. And for, you know, listeners out there, these can be literally anything like taking a bath or doing some yoga or coloring in a coloring book. Just things that calm you down and just bring you back to who you normally are. (laughs) Yeah, your center. And I do want to add that you've watched me go through a lot of evolutions with my coaching as well of 
I actually, like, I have a signature system, but it's not a structured program, and I did take you through a structured program twice. The second one was 100%, like, cater to you, and that's what helped me become the coach that I am today and realize, like, how to fit specific needs. So it has, I've watched you evolve, you've watched me evolve, and I think it's just such a wonderful relationship that has been built over the last year and a half plus. Like, it's been a long time, and it's a fun to watch you grow and I don't know if you've noticed me growing but I'm just letting you know like you've you so for those of you listening Nicole I don't even know if Nicole knows this Nicole inspired the entire own your life signature system so everything that is all six of my pillars has was created based off of her and her needs and it's it evolves and it adapts to each individual over time of course but yeah, this, it literally came from you. So you started in a very structured program of like, this is session one, this will be session two. And now it's, I've become the coach that I am today based off of you and your needs and your obstacles and the things that I've had to come up with like in the spur of the moment that I'm like, oh, this is a good tool to have in my back pocket for someone else down the line and so on and so forth. So just have to let you know that. <laughs> That's awesome. I didn't know that. You know, over over the year and a half plus that we have been working together, I mean, I've watched you I've watched you accomplish a lot of coaching goals. You know, I have seen all of the different workshops you've put on. Um, I was so excited when you started your podcast. I was like, hell yeah, everyone needs Jess's advice. But, you know, it's been a long time since I went through your initial program. So I definitely haven't seen how those evolved. And it makes me really happy to hear that you not only just are evolving yourself, but that you do exactly what I pinpointed from the start, which is tailor um, all your programs to individuals' needs because we are all different people and we all face different challenges. But I think you have a really strong foundation of kind of what a baseline normal looks like for most people. I think that you have encountered a lot of people and um, you. I think you inspire a lot of people to word vomit all their problems onto you. You have like a really nice... Uh, listening face. So I think you, (laughs) over time, you just kind of like evolved kind of through a law of averages of like what most people need. But again, like I said, you're a really good listener. So uh, your ability to adapt each program to the individual is really, really cool. Yeah. Well, thanks. All right. Back on topic, because we just had to, a little tangent, (laughs) a little like... Oh, I can brag about you for days. <laughs> uh, okay, so in last week's episode, I talk about finding fulfillment in your life, whether that's your career or volunteer work or hobbies, but you have created a unique, like a very unique and powerful take on finding fulfillment within aspects of your career that I would love to talk about. So can you walk us through the revelation that you came to only a few months ago? When you said it, I was like, we ought to have an episode about this. <laughs> so please talk about it. Yeah. So especially at the beginning of your career, you might question whether you're in the right field. You know, maybe you went to school for something and you went right into that field right out of college. 
But, you know, once you get a little more experience doing the actual job, maybe you think that it isn't exactly the right field for you. This is totally normal. Everybody goes through it. And I have always considered myself to be a a behind the scenes kind of person. I actually went to college to be a film editor. And my first job out of college, I was editing some videos for a a really cool nonprofit, but it made me realize that I hated film editing. And so I started exploring different options and I came to PR in a kind of roundabout way. And in some ways being in PR is still kind of a behind the scenes kind of job, except sometimes it's not, (laughs) you know, people, the work that PR people do is really hard and you you put your heart and soul into it and it it feels like really personal and you know there are awards for really good PR work but i am not a person who's ever been like interested in winning awards for the work that i do where my passion lies is helping other people win those awards i love when the work that i do helps support someone else into shining in their own way and doing their best work. Um, So if you think about it, being in PR is a great place for me because I work with lots of clients who do really amazing things. And it's my job to get the word out about what they're doing and how amazing it is. But I... I don't necessarily care about having my efforts recognized. And this is kind of a a controversial thing because, you know, when you're trying to climb a ladder and get promoted, you usually want to highlight all of the work that you've done and brag about yourself. Um, But I prefer to brag about other people. And so this this is kind of that revelation you and I had a while ago about giving myself permission to take that pressure off of wanting to get myself in the spotlight, that that's not why I do what I do. I do what I do because I want other people to enjoy the spotlight. And you know, if that makes me look good in the process, great. But that's not the main reason why I'm doing the work that I do. I think Coming to this realization has been something that's kind of always been inside me, but has been brought out in this early stage of my career of getting more experience in the workplace where I really love supporting my internal teams. And I think it it comes from this natural piece of my personality where I'm a nurturer and you know, I'm at my best when I'm like cooking for people and watching them eat the food that I've cooked for them and, and like people enjoying and laughing and being together. And if I can be that person that's provided a space for them to be joyful, that in turn gives me joy and fulfillment. So kind of translating that to the workplace, if I'm doing the work that is going to elevate my clients and get them to a place where they are having the most joy and fulfillment in their work, that's what fills my cup in terms of the work that I do. 
I love that. Okay, last question. So like a lot of Gen Z and younger millennials, you don't have this burning desire, as you've already mentioned, to climb the corporate ladder. And this is so common amongst a lot of people in their 20s right now. So you'd rather show up for your job and find fulfillment in the balance between working and enjoying life. And even though you have found this fulfillment within the work that you're doing, I want to keep that in mind and normalize this path that your job doesn't have to be your source of fulfillment. And I that's what I mentioned in last week of it can come from a lot of different places. But all of that in mind, knowing that you you don't have this burning desire to climb the ladder, what are some goals that you're working towards right now, both short-term and long-term within your career? Yeah, so if any of my bosses are listening, <laughs> um, nothing, none of what I've said means that I don't care about my job and I don't care about you, know, you giving me a raise because uh, I definitely care about that. But my number one goal at this moment is not just to get promoted. In terms of short-term goals, I'm developing an AI resource newsletter for my my, uh, team because AI is a huge conversation in PR right now. And I want my internal team to have all of the resources they need to stay on top of this conversation and leverage these tools to the best of our ability so that we're doing the best work that we can for ourselves and for our clients. I'm also potentially working on a writing workshop for my internal team because some of the people that I've worked with are like the most incredible writers I've ever met. And I want the entire team to benefit from their knowledge. So my, my short-term goals in the workplace are definitely about bolstering our company culture and company resources and, you know, mining the people that we have and using all of their knowledge so that we can produce the best work that we can and, you know, have our clients re-sign their contracts year after year. And in terms of long-term goals, I've definitely recently been feeling like the sky's the limit and I've got a lot of things cooking, which I'll tell you about offline, Jess. Um, <laughs> but you know, I Sorry, listeners. <laughs> but, you know, I have a lot of different visions for my future and... Maybe that entails continuing to work in PR for the next 5, 10, 15 years. I don't know what the future holds, but I do know that there are things outside of that that are going to give me a lot of joy and fulfillment that include, you know, baking and dancing and making money off of those (laughs) and just seeing where all of those things take me. So I think the most important part of that is just keeping an open mind and If any listeners can take away one thing from all of that, it's it is keeping an open mind and not getting your head stuck down in the grind. So so that you're you're blind to all the other possibilities around you. Life is crazy. And if you're not open to what else life has to offer, then you might get stuck living the same day over and over um, and wishing that something would change. But things don't change 
unless you do something about it. So hop on a call with Jess to find out how you can take action in your life next. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't tell her to say that. I promise. (laughs) Well, but like what I, the purpose behind that last question is to highlight that just because your goal isn't after the next promotion doesn't mean you shouldn't set goals within your workplace. This is still where you're at right now. It's, even if your goal is to not get fired and show up and do your job, it's like you need to be working towards something and feel like you have a purpose behind the work that you are doing and that you're providing and not get lost in it, as you were saying. Yeah, setting goals is really important so that you you keep feeling like you're moving forward and so you don't get stuck. Yeah, and I'd say our generation is rewriting the script of what it's like to be an adult and be able to enjoy your life at the same time because it is possible to do both. You just, again, as we've said, like you need to build your solid foundation first and know what you're after. And I'm just so glad that you've highlighted all of these different aspects of what it means to get your mind right in regards to your career and your mental health and having a life outside of your career as well. All right, well, I want to thank you for coming on here and being a guest on How To 20-something. Being in your later mid-20s, you've provided really relevant and relatable insight to the way the world is for us young professionals in today's world. So thank you. Yeah, anytime. You know, it's rough out there. So any any insight that any of us can provide, it's so important to share, especially in a really real and vulnerable way. Like, we all go through the same things. Let's just talk about them and support each other so that we can all, you know, just get through it together. (laughs) Of course. This is why I started this business and this podcast. Uh, So I want to wrap it up. But to those of you listening, I'm going to remind you again, and I'm going to keep reminding you that you can be a guest on here too. Just head to those show notes, fill out the form, and I'll, I'll reach out to you. I'll contact you. But otherwise, this does conclude another episode of How to 20-something. So I want to thank you for listening. And if you liked what you heard, you can hit subscribe. You could give me a good rating, write a review, share it with a friend. Tag me if you share it on social media at coach.justdiamond. If you love Nicole's episode, I'll be putting her Instagram in the links so that you can contact her or if she wants to provide her email. You'll, there'll be some way for you to contact her and tell her the value that you love that she provided. And I hope that you all start implementing your own healthy habits in regards to your mental health. But until then, have a great rest of your week and I will be in your headphones again next week with another episode.